This is At The Line. I'm Ty Yeager. And I'm Noah McGarrow-George. And it's draft preview, finally. It's uh, the day that we are recording this. This is less than a week away from the November 18th draft. Noah, you have a whole lot of shit that you are going to go through. But before we do that, we got to go through. We got to do some house cleaning because there's still a lot going on in the short and off season, unfortunately. And so first thing is Matt Babcock, he tweeted this out. I want to say Wednesday, saying that there is a growing sense among NBA circles that the San Antonio Spurs front office is currently up to something big behind the scenes. And probably the most San Antonio Spurs thing I can hear is that the Spurs are up to something. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm excited just to hear any news about the Spurs making any waves, even especially like behind the scenes, because that means that they're, you know, maybe looking to trade. And that really never happens in San Antonio. So for me... I'm not sure how serious they're looking into these, but having spoken to Matt before, and I've had him on my channel before, I think he's a legitimate source and somebody who, as a former NBA agent, definitely knows people within the industry. And it's it's not even just like one trade, like the LaMarcus Aldridge trade to Golden State we talked about last time, but there's also Domar rumors. There's also Patty Mill rumors, yeah. too, which is really, it makes sense to me as a front office move, but personally, I don't like it, but we'll go through that as well, but... Still, it's a lot of off-season moves, I would say, which is, it's very unspurs-like, but I'm welcoming this because they're, the Spurs are in a weird, are in a weird phase. They're in the awkward phase of their of their of their time. All everyone, every person has that weird time where you're, you're going through puberty. The voice gets a little <laughs> deeper, and you're like, "What's happening? This is what's going on with the Spurs." Yeah, they're in their awkward teenage phase right now. They're not. <laughs> really 100% set on any direction. They could go multiple directions. It's definitely awkward. It's definitely awkward. So let's, and with that Matt Babcock stuff, it's not even Matt Babcock that's saying that the Spurs are doing big things. Even Kevin O'Connor said this in his latest mock draft that was released on the 12th, which is the day that we are recording this on. And also, I'll say, I love his his draft information. It's probably some of the best, like, if you need some quick information, it's an easy, quick go-to. But he was saying that the Spurs are certainly up to something, and then he wrote, he gave us a major lot of information dumped out. Let's go to the first one of that. He does confirm that the buzz is still is there about Golden State being interested in trading the number two overall pick for LaMarcus Aldridge. I did see additional information on a Bleacher Report saying that it talks are talks may have had may have had Andrew Wiggins for the money situation with the assumption. I'm putting that in quotes, assumption, and I think that's a key word, that Draymond's off the table. That doesn't mean Draymond is off the table, it's just the assumption of the source. So I just want that to be clear. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's kind of an, a fair assumption, though. You know, like I said last time, I think Draymond is the heart and soul of that team. Not the best player. I, I don't want people to mistake me saying he's their best player. He's like the he's like the, their Patty Mills. He's like Patty Mills, but much more important. He's, he's, he's greater impact on the court. And obviously has the same kind of impact with their locker room, with their chemistry. So I kind of buy into that he's not going to be on the table, but we don't have anybody confirming whether or not he is or isn't. It's just speculation at this point. But we're seeing that this buzz is widespread now. This is not just a this is not just one case. This is multiple cases yeah. <laughs> of of Spurs buzz going around. So, but that, so keep an eye on that. I will definitely be tweeting about that. If I see any information, I'm tweeting that out. So make sure to follow me at the Tiger. You can follow that at N underscore Margo. How do you say it? At N underscore Magaro. 
Uh, I'm N-A-G-A-R-O. I want to make sure I don't misspell your, because I will misspell your last name. Oh, you're good. Uh, the additional information that he says that, along with Aldridge, Patty Mills is being shopped around by the Spurs, and this is probably the biggest information that none of us really knew, but I think we've all felt it coming at some point. Yeah, I was. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I know that Patty Mills isn't the best player, and I know really at this point in his career, he brings you know a spark off the bench and somebody who is that locker room guy. You know, he brings people into the coffee gang. He picks guys up off the ground. You know, he's putting an arm around somebody, telling them you know keep you know keep fighting, do a good job. But I was disappointed. You know, I'm I'm a little disappointed to hear that because Patty is a fan favorite. He's one of my favorite Spurs ever. I just think he's an exceptional human being. He's a really great player in his own right. So I'm a little sad to hear it, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, and, I'm not surprised. And I interviewed Drew Eubanks back in back in February. And I'm sorry, I keep going back to these quotes because he he said that I love Patty. He's a great guy and a great teammate. And that's just a it's an indication of the impact that he has in the locker room. But so the Bucks and Sixers are reportedly interested in according to Kevin O'Connor. And he did mention that six four, kind of the forward guard, yeah, Josh, like Rich, Josh guard Richardson, forward hybrid. Yeah, Josh Richardson. He's he's a good player, but I don't know. I, I think like with he'd be nice to have just because he's a good asset. But I'm not really sure how he fits in with the rest of the young core, especially considering he's that kind of awkward fit as like a guard slash forward. They have a lot of those guys, so I, I don't know. But if, could, if you get him back, I, I think that's a good value. I just don't know what you do with him once you have him. Isn't he a good defender, though? I'm trying to... Like, yeah, he's a solid defender. I think he would come out for defensive situations because, again, the Spurs' defense needs some, bo- needs some boosting. And adding Josh Richardson to that would not would not hurt in any way, just especially if he's on a bench roll. Yeah, and I, I just don't feel like Josh Richardson, if he came to San Antonio, even if they gave him a bench roll, I think it would quickly devolve into something that he would not be interested in. He's a guy who's been receiving 30-plus minutes per game for the last couple of seasons. He's someone who averages about 16 points per game over the last couple of years, and he's highly involved in pretty much every offense he's been in, from Miami to Philadelphia, and he's someone who's in a contract here. I believe his his deal is expiring, so I don't know that he would like that kind of role. So just for that reason, I, I don't know. Uh, the fit isn't great. The timing isn't great. But like I said, if you get him back, and it's a good asset, but an asset that I'm not sure what you do with. But I see it matches Mike because he's making $10.8 million this season, and he has a $11.6 million player option next season. So it's I could see why the Spurs would take the contract in the first place. Because even if Josh Richardson doesn't want to be there, he can easily opt out into that 2021 season and still and Spurs still save a lot of money. If he stays and it works out, perfect. And we've seen this before where guys that we don't think we're going to pan out, a.k.a. Trey Lyles, and they just really pan out and become a really useful asset to the team. But so, again, the Sixers and the Bucks are interested in Patty Mills. and so But Josh Richardson is a possible player that Kevin O'Connor named directly from this. Then uh, to our pieces... DeMar DeRozan, the Lakers are reportedly interested in DeMar DeRozan. I'm just going to say this. It doesn't mean he's getting traded to the Lakers. It just means the Lakers are interested. Please calm down. Yeah, I I can't help but say calm down too because nobody is promising he's going to the Lakers or that the Spurs are going to accept this trade. And and let's be honest here. This is a dog shit trade. It is. This is an awful, like, essentially they would have lost Kawhi to... And Danny Green to end up somehow getting, getting Danny, Danny Green back, back and Kyle Kuzma, who was one of the players who was untouchable when they were trying to make deals with Los Angeles to send Kawhi, you know, possibly there and, and get a big return. So I think this would be such a slap in the face to the organization. So I get why fans are mad, but there's no promises this is going to happen. And I don't think the Spurs front office is this dumb. It's 
my I don't have any sources on this, but my personal opinion and just my knowledge on this, this Spurs will not would not go with this trade, and for two reasons. One, it's a dog shit trade because that's just a poor return for what you can get into Barozan, especially if it's say it is a sign and trade or an extension. That's a really poor return. It is two expiring contracts, but still, it's a really poor return. And then to add on that, it's a it's a conference rival. No matter how you would see it, even if the Spurs are not contending, they're not going to trade to the Lakers. They're not going to make the Lakers better. Just knowing how that how they operate, that's just it's just a leap. It's a rival, and especially knowing the Spurs team, they're not they're still going to be want to be competitive. They're not going to tank. And they're going to do whatever it takes to not make another team in their division competitive, unless it's the Warriors or the number two pick, which makes sense. Yeah, and, and exactly. Like it only only way that they are going to make another team better, who they're you know going to face in the playoffs potentially, is if that trade benefits them in the long run. I don't think this trade benefits them in the long run. And and, and I like Kyle Kuzma as a you know sort of forward who can score off the bench and I think at this point that's kind of what he is he's not he's not a star he's not someone who should probably be playing more than 25 minutes per game but just the fact you're getting Danny Green back and that you could like you said get a better return for DeRozan it just doesn't interest me at all especially like we know that the Spurs were hesitant to make a deal with the Lakers potentially to send Kawhi there even though they explored it which is perfectly within their right they were very hesitant to make a deal with him ultimately they didn't get what they wanted and to do this, like, you know, two years later, doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It's poor trade. And say, again, go back to saying that what it's a sign-in trade for DeRozan. To get one-year rentals of Green and Kuzma, especially if you can get Kuzma, Kuzma, I feel like you would be, you want him in the more of a long-term, not just a one-year rental. It's just a poor return, but it it makes sense if DeRozan was a one-year rental, but still, I don't think this would be the trade the Spurs go with. The thing that I do see from this is that the Lakers, if the Lakers are interested, it probably means other teams are interested in DeRozan, which is which should bode well for the Spurs. Yeah, and I think that there will be a little bit of interest in DeRozan. I mean, even remember last year we were hearing, you know, Orlando Magic might be interested in him. You know, that could potentially bring back Aaron Gordon. Just saying, not saying it's going to happen, but the money is there to make that work. Or say, you know, even. I was looking through Twitter, let's looking for rumors from verified people who have, you know, sources. And it, apparently the Nets and Bucks are showing trade interest. I don't really know how he fits there, but you know, there's definitely interest there and I think if the Spurs want to get something done that it will get done. Yeah, it's it's going to get done. I think we will see this. Uh, there I feel confident to say that at least LaMarcus or DeMar is going to get traded this offseason or at least before trade deadline. I totally trade deadline trade deadline at the latest. But I think that these two are going to be traded in some form or fashion. All right, going on to and there is an RPS of news, but we'll get that in the draft preview because it is it does refer to draft targets. Um the other one, Tim Duncan is stepping away from full time coaching, according to New York Times uh, Mark Stein. Um this was kind of seen this was kind of seen coming among the insiders with the Spurs, be knowing that it was just kind of a one year favor to Greg Popovich. But still, as a fan, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts a little bit, but you're absolutely right. Like, I think everybody, even people without connections, could kind of feel that this was just a one-year rental for Duncan on the sideline. He's a guy doing his former coach a favor, and and that's exactly what he did. And, you know, that doesn't mean he's not going to be around the organization anymore. We know that even before he became an assistant coach, he was there helping with player development at their practice facility, um, you know, kind of came and went as he wanted to. And I, I, I pretty much can 
say that it's fair to assume that he's going to be doing the same thing. Definitely. I agree because it's he's going to do it before. Other Spurs have done it before as well. He's still going to be there, be a part of the team, but he's not going to be a full-time coach that's traveling with the team on the road and everything like that. And as a result, da, 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 try to scroll because it's because have you have you turned on like every single tweet notification for every person possible at this rate? I have probably about twenty people that I'm pretty sure will break news or they can break news or have the potential to. So yeah, I have a lot of notifications so on I'm right trying, now. All right. So the Spurs did announce though on Thursday that Mitch Johnson would fill the spot, the vacant spot by Tim Duncan, and they would elevate Darius Sagana, so, 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 Darius Sangaila, Sangaila to assistant coach. So, and we've we've seen Mitch Johnson. I think Mitch Johnson even took over Tim Duncan's role whenever he didn't go to the bubble because he was because Duncan was overseeing Lamarcus's rehab. But Mitch Johnson is another under thirty five coach joining this bench. So, and someone even said this on Twitter: the Spurs are not only going the young the youth movement with the players; they're going with the coaches as well. Yeah, it kind of feels like they are, and I, I know not probably not a lot of fans know who Darius Sangaila is. He's former NBA player. He played for like eight years in the NBA, and he's pretty young himself. He's not like super young, but he's not like an old guy at all by all means. I believe he's in his early 40s, and I, I'm excited to see a lot of young guys join the coaching staff. I think they can learn a lot from Popovich, even if it's just in the next year or so, and that could be a really impressive and young, lasting coaching staff once whoever ends up taking that over does and I kind of hope it would be Becky Hammond well we can get in that another time for sure yeah I, I will say I do think that the odds for Becky Hammond become this next first head coach just got elevated even further with Tim Duncan stepping down but besides that let's get to what we're here for draft preview enter amazing sound effect that I don't know what sound effect to put here oh well I guess I'm just leaving <laughs> this in but all right so Noah you're the draft expert here I don't, I don't really know much. I kind of talk out my ass on draft situations. I don't know why people come ask me why <laughs> on what your, what my big board is or what p- person they should go with. I'm just speaking out my ass, but you have a whole, you have a whole treasure trove of knowledge. You have a sheet ready for us. Where do you want to start? Yeah, well, we can just start by looking at my updated 2020 lottery big board, and we'll we'll go a little bit deeper than that. Um, these are not players who I want the Spurs to draft. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. They're just how I rank these prospects in this class, and we'll go through it quickly. So at number one, we've got Killian Hayes. Number two, LaMelo Ball. Gross. Three, Anthony Edwards. Four, Denny Avdia. Five, Devin Vassell. Six, Onyeka Okongwu. Seven, Isaac Okoro. Eight, James Wiseman. Nine, Alexi Pokashevsky. Sorry, that is a very hard name to pronounce. I feel bad for any commentator that's going to say his name. <laughs> They're going to have to learn quick because I, I feel like this kid wants to. That's not an easy name to say like quickly either. Alexi Pokashevsky. I, I tried my best. I tried. But did it sound okay? That's better than most. It sound, I've been practicing. Uh, 10, Obi Toppin. 11, Tyrese Halliburton. 12, Kyra Lewis. 13, Patrick Williams. 14, RJ Hampton. 15, Leandro Bulmaro. 16, Aaron Neesmith, 17, Desmond Bain, and 18, Sadiq Bay, And we'll just stop right there because pretty much after that, the guys available to me are fairly in the same range of talent and potential and what they bring to the table. Not necessarily skill-wise, like individual skills, but just in general, their overall value. Yeah, it's this is a this is again, this is a overall big board for the draft in total. This is not a Spurs big board. I tend to look at just a Spurs big board, but just because I don't need to know about all these guards. I don't give a shit about these guards because they're useless in terms of what the Spurs were most likely drafting. And we we talked about this earlier, where it was 
if the Spurs did get that number two pick, who would your top three prospects be for that for that pick? Not not just I would say not just give me three guys that you you would probably make the final decision decision for the three finalists if to pick with that number two overall pick. Sure. And I think if you're moving up to number two and there are a lot of players in the list who I was talking about who I have ranked lower. So I'll start off with Onyeka Okongwu. He's a guy who I have sixth, which isn't low by any means on any board. That's actually very high for most boards, I believe, but he's a guy who his situation specifically in San Antonio with their developmental system I trust the Spurs to make the most out of somebody like that. And he's drawn comparisons to Bam Adebayo, which I think is a little bit unfair. He's definitely not the playmaker as a passer, but he has those physical tools to be a switchable defender. He has the ability to probably bring up the ball every once in a while. He has some shooting potential. So he would be my one of my top guys. Then we've got Anthony Edwards. I mean, we, we've heard about him pretty much all year. He's a guy who can absolutely fill it up. The only question marks with him are decision-making. His shot selection iffy his decision making with the ball as a passer iffy he misses open guys a lot he gets tunnel vision and on the other end he could lock down anyone on defense I I really do believe that anyone point guard shooting guard small forward he can lock down the issue with him there is he doesn't always put in the effort he's not always trying so that is something that kind of concerns me and then the last guy is probably the most controversial guy here would be LaMelo Ball. And I know that San Antonio Spurs fans probably don't want to have another guard here. But in my opinion, Killian Hayes is a better point guard. But I think if you're going up to number two, uh, long-term, excuse me, long-term point guard, but number two, LaMelo Ball makes sense because he's, to me, a generational passer in terms of his vision. There's still obviously question marks with his shot selection, with his maturity, I'm sure a lot of people still want to question that. And there are definitely question marks with his decision-making, even as a passer, even with that vision, he tends to force things. De- defense isn't quite there, but I think he has the talent and he has the personality to thrive as somebody who would be getting a ton of attention. He's had it for a long time. And we know he's a good basketball player. Like He wouldn't have, obviously he didn't put up great numbers, um, at least percentage-wise, in Australia, but... He's somebody who I think has the potential to be really, really special if he goes to the right situation. And maybe the Spurs aren't the right situation, but I think if you got LaMelo Ball, he makes other pieces expendable. And I'm not advocating for anybody to trade DeJounte or Derek or Lonnie or Keldon or any of the young guys like that. But I think if if you're in the top three there, you got LaMelo Ball, or top two rather, you got LaMelo Ball and Yeko Kongwu and Anthony Edwards are people who would realistically want to look at there. So I say that I'm not a draft expert yet. I've become like a fast learner in the draft expert <laughs> in the draft expert since since. Uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of like more of an overall board in my in my opinion. That's kind of a more overall board if you're just any team at picking at number at number two. But for me, I kind of look at who the Spurs specifically need. I think that they're going. I think that they would draft best available in terms of what they need. The positional so, needs, sure. Maybe. So more of like I think they're going to avoid guards. I think they're going pick wings and bigs at least within the, within the first round that, of their picks. Now come second round, I think they will do whatever the hell they want. That's just how the Spurs go, and I'm not going to blame them. But my top three at least would be Denny Avija. I want, I always wanted to say Avija. I kind of had that J sound. <laughs> um, but uh, Akonkubu and then uh, James Wiseman, just because I think those would be the best three available in terms of what the Spurs need in terms of a wing player, defenders, or even a big man like James Wiseman who could be kind of – who said that he studied that he studies T- uh, Tim Duncan and, J- and David Robinson? So, 
I think those those three would be good players. Denny would be a great playmaker replace to replace uh, Demar if that comes. Aquanku would be a good four in my idea, especially being defensive minded. Then James Wiseman, just kind of a more of kind of a two way two way big man that's just kind of a, a weird specimen being at seven one and athletic as he is. Sure, and I'll give you my two cents on this. So James Wiseman is another one of those guys who, if you're looking through your Spurs lens and the Spurs move up to two and they end up taking him two, I think some people who are really deep into the draft may not love that because they think, well, they're better prospects, and I agree. But I think if the Spurs are taking him two, he's got incredible athletic tools. Now, he's a, an athletic freak. He, he really is. He is a specimen, like you said. And in the San Antonio Spurs system, maybe right away he's just a rim runner. Maybe right away he's only a rim protector to, uh, you know, uh, as a defender. Not necessarily someone who can switch. Not somebody who's great with their technique or footwork or even within the scheme of a team defense. But I think potential-wise he could be someone who could be very special if San Antonio got their hands on him. So he's someone who I would boost up on my big board if we're just looking at it through a Spurs lens. Yeah, and even, and like you said, being having that rim runner to start off his career would not be bad at all. And yeah, I, yeah, the Spurs are missing that. Honestly, the Spurs are missing somebody like that. I love Jakob, but that's not what he is. Yeah, and so add on James Wiseman, say that he comes off the bench, because I don't think I, I don't see any of these guys being starters right off the bat, especially with a lack of training camp and a lack of, of summer league. But him coming off the bench would be pretty would be pretty fascinating for the Spurs. And watching him run run and bench bench units, say with say with Drew Eubanks, say with uh Derek White at the at the helmet point. With with Keldon or Lonnie, that's an athletic, that's an athletic rotation right there. Yeah, actually, you know, as as low as I am on Wiseman, I do think he would be a day one starter, pretty much for any team, unless you have like a Jokic or you have, you know, your starter, your for sure starter star guy in place. Onyeka to me is also further along than James Wiseman is. I think he could start. I'm not sure if he would for the Spurs team. I think he's a 4-5 tweener. He's kind of a, a forward. He has some center skills. So he could, in theory, start in a small ball lineup at five. Um, but I did want to talk about Denny just for a little bit because... Let's, let's actually let's stick with the Kongu and then go to Denny because you started with Oneka. With Onyeka, okay. Onyeko Kongu, yeah. I can see his last name. I can't see his first name properly. Yeah, Onyeko Kongu to me is somebody who I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, but he has some shooting potential. He didn't take a ton of mid range jumpers, but his free throw percentage, like the indicators, like free throw percentage form, um, you know, the mechanics, uh, in terms of like the footwork and how his body unloads when he shoots, it looks good. It looks good. And I think you can buy into a future with him as at least a mid range shooter, possibly out to the three point line. If he's paired with someone like chip England, I don't have a hard time seeing that. And he's somebody who has, his his footwork, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, so I won't get too deep into it. I mean, it doesn't need to be that deep. But his footwork is really good, and his feet are fast to the point where I think he could be someone who can guard maybe a little slower twos from three to five. I think he could potentially be a four-position switchable defender. So I, I like a lot of the things he offers. I'm just not sure about his upside, right? I'm, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a go-to guy, but he's definitely someone who has – the upside to be something more than he is right now. And I, the thing that I see is at least because I'm always using the ringers draft guide. Cause that's kind of my go-to at this moment. I do like that. He kind of has a two way ability and with the, yeah. at least with the inside game, I really like him in the, for the defensive aspect. I think he would be a really vital guy to go to, especially on the defense. Say that you did resign Jakob, have him and Jakob next to each other. That rim is not going to get shot there. That rim is not going to get 
going to be easy to get to. No, it, it absolutely won't. And Nyoko Kongu was one of the best shot blockers in the nation last year. Really good offensive rebounder, too. So he's going to be somebody who cleans the offensive glass, gets you second chance points, possibly putbacks. And that's really not something you can complain about, especially in this class where people are saying, you know, lack of top in talent. Well, if there's a lock, lack of top in talent, I still think Onyeko Kongu ranks up the top there. And I think he still has potential to be someone who can come in and make an impact right away and also has a little bit of potential to be better towards the future. Someone who you may be, you know, your third, fourth best player on a championship and team. I think that's honestly, the Spurs don't need a true superstar out of this drive, I would say. It's pieces to keep, to build this strong young core. Because you're going, you're going to start moving on from DeMar. You're going to move on from DeMar. No matter what happens in the next two years, at the least, is say that DeMar does stay, you're only going to have one more season at most. Sure. So, and you're going to have, you're going to have guys like Kelton. You're going to have guys like Lonnie, Derek, and DeJounte that are going to be start taking over those primary scoring positions. Having guys that, fit around them is going to be a key aspect. I, and I would say this is probably going to be one of the drafts that's probably perfect for it. Yeah, and I'll give you another two cents on like draft philosophy and, and team building philosophy. One of the things that I think is really important when you're looking at teams throughout NBA history is very few have ever won a championship without a superstar. And I look at these guys who the Spurs have, and I really like them as complementary pieces or possibly your second, third options. I still think the San Antonio Spurs need to find that superstar, but it's okay if they don't find it in this draft because if you're finding complimentary players and you somehow end up in next year's lottery, which by the way is incredibly loaded with talent, like just for perspective, probably everyone in the top 14 here wouldn't be in the top five of next year's draft. It's it's essentially next year's draft is making up for the lack of talent in this draft. It certainly is. It's absolutely stacked. And so if the Spurs somehow find themselves in the lottery, um, as a product of going to the youth movement, which I don't think they will. I think the youth is good enough to make a playoff push. I do. But do. if they did, they could potentially find somebody in that lottery who would be their superstar. Because I'm, I'm even thinking about teams recently, right? 2013, 2014 Spurs, no superstar there. They won. Um, before that, maybe the Pistons when they faced the Lakers. And I think that was 03 or not 03. That was 03 is a Spurs championship. 04 or some, I, I believe. I or 02 or 04. One of those years, right? Yeah, it's one of those years. One of those years. But the point being, 04. you, you so pretty I, much. I, mean, I know it's 04. Sorry. Yeah. Point being, you, you pretty much need a superstar to thrive in the NBA and be a competitive, like actual competitive for a title, not just playoff contention, but, but competitive. So what about the 2014 Spurs though? Because you had, you didn't really have a true superstar. You had guys that were superstars in the past, but kind of were aging out of it and became really, it became more of a team ball. And I think that's how I'm perceiving at least this upcoming Spurs. I and, th- e- and even with that, I see Keldon become, becoming an impossible, possible star. I'm not going to say a superstar, but I see him becoming a star. But what, when you, you do have teams like that, where you have the over four Pistons and then you have the 2014 Spurs, which we've seen. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, they're, they're just such anomalies. They're so far and few between that it's hard for me to buy into that structure of a team. Like even if people want to say, well, Miami Heat, they didn't have a star. Well, yeah, Jimmy honestly, Butler. Jimmy Butler was a top 10 player last season. Then also, and then the players, he playoffs, he elevated his level of play. So and I say Bam Bio is borderline all star, too. Yeah, he's I mean, he was an actual all star last year, so. They had multiple stars, and I think with the Spurs, you look in 2014, no, Duncan wasn't who he was throughout his career, and neither was Tony, neither was uh, you know, Manu, and, and Kawhi certainly wasn't the player he became, but they had those guys who had that playoff experience, championship experience, who have that championship pedigree, and I just look at this team, and 
you remove DeMar, I think they're fine, right? I think they'll find ways to score. They'll find ways to replace his production elsewhere. But what I worry about is when you're, you're down to crunch time and you're in the playoffs where teams have had a ton of time to prepare for you, to plan against you, who do you go to? I, I don't think you go to DeJounte. You, to me, you can't do that in the playoffs. That's where I say Derek White. Derek, Derek White, maybe he might be able to do it in a pinch. I don't think Lonnie's there yet. I think he might have the potential to be that kind of scorer, maybe. And Keldon Johnson, I think, also for me, is kind of on the same level with Derek White in terms of what I think they could be, which to me is all-star or fringe all-star player. And I still think you need that guy. You still need that guy. So for me, you're not going to probably get that in this draft. Out, Even if you're at the top of this draft, you're probably not yeah. going to get it, but that's okay. You're going to find good players, and you know what happens when you have a lot of good players? You're like the Celtics where they were gaining assets. Occasionally somebody's going to surprise you, be that star, and you're able to trade and build around those guys. So I think the Spurs are in a fine situation in the 2020 draft, but even if they don't get that superstar guy. And you just have some, you just have some uh, skepticism in terms of how the team's going to be built and how they can proceed forward. It's essentially how I'm perceiving it, but it's not, it's not pure skepticism. You still have – you still have – you still see the possibilities of this team. Oh, I, I absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't think this team is bad or that the young pieces are awful by any means. I just need to see more from them. And one that's going to start with moving on from DeMar, moving on from LaMarcus, moving on from Marco, moving on from Bren. Just pieces that don't necessarily need to be here anymore. Give them that opportunity. Because think about it. If, if, if Manu or Tony, and I'm not saying any of these guys are Manu or Tony, don't get me wrong. But if Manu or Tony never got that opportunity to play extended minutes like that, do they become who they are? No. No. Like, even you think of guys like, if you want to go as deep as like a second round guy, like a Richard Lewis or a Michael Red. Draymond Green. Draymond, exactly. They don't become who they are until they get that opportunity. And I don't think we can, while I think you can count out these guys probably being superstars. I don't think you can count out them being at the very least all-star fringe, all-star or even really solid starter level players, very efficient players without exactly without having the opportunity to show that because they have not had that yet. They really have not. Yeah. And so speaking of moving on, and I, I think this is, I think you can kind of agree that with the Spurs moving on, possibly moving on from DeMar DeRozan, Denny is going to be kind of a good, would be a good replacement player in terms of scoring. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, okay, I love Denny Avdia, the the prospect and his potential and what he could be, but I, I want to make this clear really quick. So I have this pulled up because this was something I thought might come up. His numbers in the Israeli Basketball League there, 13 points per game, five rebounds, almost six rebounds per game, almost three assists per game, and 28 minutes per game. So he had a pretty significant role there, and we saw that role change. At the start of the year, he was pretty much off ball. They hit him in the corner a lot, kind of like they did Lonnie this year. And then when they started getting to the playoffs in their league, they ramped up his role. He performed pretty well. And the Israeli Basketball League is not bad by any means. It's a pretty pretty decent league. But I think what is important is we move on to the Euro League. That's the best league outside of the NBA. Those numbers fall to four points per game three rebounds per game, one assist per game, and a turnover per game. That's not real inspiring stuff. He only got five starts in the EuroLeague. How many minutes did he get, though? I'm just curious about that. Sorry. 14 minutes per game. And they tended to trust their their veterans in the EuroLeague. Like they, they, and that's kind of how European basketball is in general. It's like veterans are pretty much going to dominate the minutes because they don't have any incentive to highlight the young guys. They're trying to win now. There is no draft overseas. Like You have to be good right it's, now. It's If you know how FIFA works in soccer – 
they that's essentially what Euroleague basketball is. And that that's a great com- that's a great comparison because it, it really is almost exactly like that. But Hell, what worries FIBA. me is not so much his per game stats, it's his shooting splits. We have 43% from the field, 28% from 3 and 55% from the free throw line. And that number only hopped up to 59% in the Israeli Basketball League. And so when I look at Denny, I think a lot of people are thinking he's going to come in right away. He's going to be someone who's making a lot of plays, who's making crazy passes, who's picking up a scoring load. And to me, Denny is a guy who, one, will probably play from day one because he's going to be taken high enough that it doesn't make sense not to play him from day one. But he's somebody who's going to have a little bit of an adjustment period to the NBA. And I wrote an article about him, and one of the things I said was, I'm not saying he's going to become Hedo Turgaloo, but I think that his impact as like a passer, as a rebounder, as a scorer, can get to that level at his peak. And that's not a bad player to have, but that's still probably your third best player on a championship team, and it's not going to happen right away. And just for that reason alone, I'm a little bit lower on Denny. I still think he has some defensive versatility. He's a really smart player. He wouldn't be playing at all in EuroLeague if he wasn't smart. He's a really intelligent player. He makes smart cuts. He makes good rotations on the defensive end. He can make some really incredible passes through some tight windows. And he's a, he's an improving shooter. I know the, the, the numbers aren't there yet, but he's been working on his shot. That's something we know he has been putting the time into. And then and I think on, it will come along with, with chipping. Like it's, <laughs> I, I think, I think, every, I think as much as it seems kind of like a cop-out for just to kind of ignore shooting issues, Chip England has done miracles. I don't know what else to say, and it's you have you have faith in if you have a guy that's kind of had a struggling shot, give him a few days to Chip England, and he's going to start working out. I say Keldon Johnson, his outside shot in G League was absolutely horrid. It was not it was not going down, and but a lot of his scoring was coming from the inside. Once it once that break once that huge COVID break came, I'm pretty sure he worked with Chip England along that whole break. Once he went to the bubble, he had a much better shot. He was doing consistently, and he just looked like a much better shooter. And same thing with Lonnie. Lonnie is a better shooter. DeJounte Murray has come a long way from his with his shooting as well. He most certainly has. And if Denny ends up by some miracle coming to the Spurs, he's going to get a chance to work with Chip England. It's not like he's going to be someone who they deprioritize. He's definitely going to be a number one priority for them. And his shot isn't awful. I want to make that clear. The percentages weren't good, but the form looks pretty good. And he sped up the motion a little bit. It's not as slow of a release. And I think that kind of behooves him moving into the next level. But I think if you end up trading into that number two pick, Denny is not your guy at the number two pick. I think guys like, again, Denny is higher on my big board. But if you're in a position where you're the Spurs and you're trying to so who, get better, you're trying to win now. I think the other guys you mentioned, James Wiseman and so who are you, Kong, who are you pick? Who you gotta make a choice? Who you're pick? Who are you picking at the number two spot? You got the somehow you trade Lamarcus Aldridge and got let's say Andrew Wiggins. I don't know. You got Andrew Wiggins now. I know the contract sucks, but you got that covenant number two overall pick. Who you got? 30 seconds. Who are you picking? Go. All right, 30 seconds on the board. Don't count me down because I won't take all 30 seconds. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably taking Anthony Edwards. I I, I know those weren't between those two wow. guys. But I'm probably taking Anthony Edwards just based on how good he could be. <laughs> I love that sound effect. Do it one more time. <laughs> but if, wow. if we're looking through a Spurs lens, they're probably not going to take an Anthony Edwards. So if you're the Spurs, Spurs lens I think now. you probably take... 
James Wiseman. I mean, he he's an athletic marvel. We know that a lot of people, including myself, aren't incredibly high on him. But I think, like I mentioned earlier, if you're looking through it through a Spurs lens, and you kind of have to, <clears throat> we're talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Yes. It it, it kind of makes sense for them. And and we've seen time and time and time again, from Tony Parker to Mono Ginobili to Derek White to DeJounte Murray, you name it, they've made guys better than their outlook was when they first came into the league. I guarantee nobody thought DeJounte was going to be a starting level point guard who gave you all defense. I mean, Derek White defense. even. Derek White was oh, like, yeah. Derek White was, I was going, because I was going through some of these other draft guides that were from previous years. Derek White was a second round projection. And yeah. yeah, I know 29th is essentially nearly second round, but they weren't, people were not that high on Derek White. And Derek White has been a, probably the MVP of this team the past two years. Yeah, I think he's probably your, not necessarily your, like, if you had to give him a 2K rating, I know this is lame, he probably wouldn't be your highest rated player, but his, his, like, his, impact his, is, his, is more important than anybody because he's yeah. so such a good decision maker on offense and I, he's so I versatile he, he's versatile on offense we know that he can shoot the three ball he got more confident with that he to me got snubbed from an all-defensive team I don't know how you lead the NBA in guard blocks at that low of minutes per game without getting some sort of recognition he didn't get a single vote even you know in the bubble did? Luka Doncic did Luka Doncic got an all-defensive team vote and Derek White didn't. And so that, to me, it kind of confirms the bias where you have to be winning for, 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 for you to get that sort of recognition. But I think Derek White deserves that recognition regardless of the winning. And I know people, and this is a point that I think is really important. People think DeJounte took a step back on defense last year. Absolutely not. No. Look at the personnel he was surrounded with. Most of the time he was playing with one of Patty, Bryn, Marco, or sometimes two of those three oh, at no. the same time. That's not going to help you. He's a guy who much like Tyrese Halliburton in this class, excellent on-ball defender, excellent instincts. He has his long arms. He's going to get deflections. He's going to get steals. But he's not someone who's going to guard 3-4-5. He's just going to guard 1-2. And if you're forcing DeJounte to guard out of position and guard the best player, like I, I, we looked at it a, a few weeks ago, he was guarding all-stars. Like The percentage of the time that he was guarding all-stars was like one of the top five in the league for all defenders. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't be happening every night, especially next to a Bryn, a Marco, a Patty. Just making, having to make up all that, make it defensive errors, especially from Bryn, because he, he was starting alongside Bryn. Yeah, it, it's tough. And, and to me, he did not take a step back on defense. The personnel wasn't ideal. I think once you see that personnel improve, which I do think it will next year, I guarantee if Derek White and DeJounte Murray are playing next to each other, that's going to be one hell of a backcourt. So I don't want to go on a tangent too long, so I'm going to, I, we have the timer for a reason. I'm going to, if Once I hit 40 minutes, I'm going to stop on this. There's a horrible media bias in this for this league, especially whenever you look at other leagues, especially look at the NFL. When you look at the NFL and the, and the NBA and how they're covered, it's two different worlds. Yeah, the, the NFL has some teams that they like to cover, but they don't focus so heavily on some on players and teams like like the NBA does. You see a huge media bias with with LeBron. You see this with other major market teams where you you just see a lot of Lakers are the probably the biggest. You see a lot with the Pelicans now with Zion. There's a lot of media bias in this league, and it really affects those all those all team selections as well. MVP awards. 2017 Kawhi should have won that MVP award. I fully agree, and John Morant should have won Rookie of the Year unanimously. There's no reason Zion should have gotten one any vote. vote. There's no reason he should have because he didn't even play a full season. Ja carried that team nearly to the playoffs. I'm sorry, but to and, me that's just not right. And so 
And I think LeBron's probably the biggest culprit of this. And I, I don't blame LeBron. LeBron, I blame the media, which happens to be our world, unfortunately. So I have to blame ourselves. But, <laughs> but once LeBron is retires, I really hope that this league gets a better, becomes better at becoming unbiased, giving more of an equal shot to lower places. Because you never hear anything about Charlotte. You never hear anything about Orlando. You never hear anything about you barely hear anything about the Suns. And they have fucking Devin Booker, who is near a borderline all all star at this you know, he's an all star. He's a borderline superstar at this point. You barely hear anything about these teams, and they are some of the some of the there's some really good players out there. And it's just because they are small markets. San Antonio is technically not even a small market. It's a six big <laughs> it's in the top ten cities in terms of population in this country. And somehow People still consider this a small market. Also, my other tangent, and side of tangent, there, San Antonio is definitely a free agent destination. Don't say that, oh, we're not going to any fucking free agents. Shut the fuck up. Please stop. I hate hearing that argument. It's an excuse, and it's a cop-out. I'm ready to get attacked by you for that because I also kind of am on the train that San Antonio is oh not a free agent destination. <laughs> but you know what's one way to make yourself a free agent destination? having a good core and to that- surround players. And I think if you're looking at, as a free agent, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, so don't hold me to this, but if you're a free agent like a Giannis or a LeBron or whatever, it doesn't need to be specific, just any superstar, yes. you're looking for a big contract. One, Spurs have the money to do that. They definitely do next offseason. So, Two, uh, you, you've yeah. got a plethora of young players with talent who are really talented, who are really good complementary pieces, and maybe... You know, if you sign with the Spurs, they end up trading those players to get you a second star. But you still, to me, have so many pieces that are really valuable and really versatile. Maybe not like superstars, but they're they're players who I would want to play with. Like, just humor me real quick. Yes. If you're LeBron James, if you remove him from the Lakers right now and you put him on the San Antonio Spurs, I think that the San Antonio Spurs have a brighter outlook than the Lakers currently do. Because, yes, yeah. you're playing with Anthony Davis, but the rest of that roster is awful. The rest of that roster is has it? been drained of its potential, the young guys, the talent. They've got a bunch of veterans, and the only reason those guys are even there is because it's Los Angeles. And then also add on that, when you looked at some of these free agents, when LeBron was a free agent coming out of Miami, when Kevin Durant was a free agent coming out of the Thunder, when Kyrie Irving was on the trade block and he, and he threw out his teams, of, teams that he preferred, the San Antonio Spurs were on all three of those conversations because they got young talent. They got talent that you can put that you can be built around and have really good success in. And so, yeah, the city might not be that attractive to some people. I love the city. I don't live there anymore, but I love it. I know. I love the city too. I I know Danny Green's not coming back. Close, club Rio closed. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. But um, but I think it's much more than just a city. You look at the money situation, like you said. You look at the the plethora of young talent that you could be playing with. How I think I think LeBron does like Dejounte Murray because he's a great defensive guard. There is much more to a free agent destination in terms of how you view it, more than just a damn city. There's there's a whole lot more, and it also involves when we're looking at these trades too. There's a lot more to these trades than just players alone. There's money situations. There's a lot more to this game, to the game of basketball, and how the front offices run and instead of just cities alone, of players alone. There's a lot more that goes into us, and I hate hearing that fucking argument of saying San Antonio's not a free agent destination. 
it's overused and just it's a cop out in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll just play devil's advocate real quick. So like, yes, we haven't seen the Spurs sign like a big time guy since Lamarcus Aldridge, and like before Lamarcus Aldridge, they didn't really need to. They had Tim Duncan, they exactly. had Tony Parker, they had Manu Ginobili. They didn't need to. They, and they couldn't have. I mean, they probably didn't even have the money to be and able that's, to. That's that's another argument that. where the Spurs had never had that much. They've never really had a lot of cap space to u- to utilize that. But I think the city somewhat is important because you've seen guys like now you've seen Jimmy Butler. He's gone to Miami because he loves the city, and maybe they didn't have the best roster when you first look at it, but they did have a lot of really good pieces. You look at Bam Adebayo. Now I'm kind of switching away from the de- Devil's Advocate. That way I can bash on it. <laughs> uh, Bam Adebayo. Coming into this year, how many people thought he was going to be an all-star level player? No one. Probably not very many people, especially after he got cut by Pop at USA Basketball. And Bam proved it everyone otherwise. And Andre Iguodala. Let's just say this. Pop made Bam a better player by cutting him. He might have. Who knows? You got Bam. You have Bam. So that's a guy who we weren't really sure uh, if he was going to be a star. Ended up being an all-star. Goran Dragic, a guy who's been a solid starter for years, but not necessarily the guy who you would think of as a championship point guard. Kendrick Nunn, a guy who didn't even play after he went undrafted, and now he's finally got his chance to be a rookie, and he finished, I think, second in Rookie of the Year voting. So there are a lot of guys on that team who you look at when you go, well, why would Jimmy Butler join it other than the city? But then you realize, well, maybe if you were familiar with the Miami Heat franchise and you were familiar with their players— you might have seen a gold mine that nobody else was looking at and nobody else identified. And I think when you look at San Antonio, you can kind of do the same. You can do the same. And maybe they don't have a BAM guy. Maybe they do. But I think that if you're looking at a potential all-star, I think Keldon Johnson, and people can come for me this late, come for me for this opinion later, but I think Keldon Johnson has every tool to be able to be an all-star if he puts his mind to it. And I think we know that he's dedicated yes. to basketball. He's an absolute gym rat, just like a lot of these other young guys are. So, you know, you can you can hold me to it that I really do think that he'll be an all-star by the time it's all said and done. All right, so my tangent of... of My tangent inside the tangent, it's ended now. And now my tangent is going to be ended as well, where I'm going to blame media. I really hope he fixes improves. Let's go on to media stuff of people f- figuring out, people working out. So more media stuff. <laughs> so... Let's, and this is kind of going to be a good move on to to people around the 11th pick that Spurs could possibly pick if they do stay put. Uh, is On this list, they have reported that they worked out Denny, Patrick Williams, Aaron Naismith, and Theo Med- Med- Maladon. Maladon. Uh, they've met with Okongwu and Tyrese Maxey, and they've also interviewed Terry Armstrong, Killian Hayes, Jalen Smith, Isaac Okoro, and Tyrese Hilliburton. Who do you want to start off with, at least when we're looking at the 11th pick, what players could possibly fall into that range? Actually, let's start with Patrick Williams because he's kind of been climbing up boards lately. Yeah, he's been climbing up boards, and I also read a report that he has a promise from the Pistons, so it's probably likely he won't be there. You know, he probably won't be there. Um, Now, who else could we look at then if he's not going to be there? Uh, Aaron Neesmith might be there. I like Aaron Neesmith quite a bit. I kind of think he's Buddy Hill-level shooter, but better defense, and that's just at his peak, his his possible peak, which I think is a pretty dang good player. But there's also no guarantee that he is going to be that good. Um, and I think there might be better players to look at because if you look at Buddy Hield, really how valuable is Buddy Hield? If if, if Neesmith does not end up working out on the defensive end, then you've just got a lesser Buddy Hield. So. And, and that's not who you need. That's not necessarily who you need, exactly. Theo Maladon, to me, they did maybe they were – 
talked to Tony and he said, Hey, you, know, you want to look at this guy? He plays for my team. Come on. And they went, okay, we'll do it. But behind closed doors, maybe they were like, you know what? Didn't he say that with Livio John Charles? <laughs> Sorry, Livio John Charles, man. I was rooting for you for a long time. It just didn't work out. Then you look at Denny. I think that's a, a, a quite a nice option, but won't fall to 11. Right. Yeah. And with, I think with Maladon, cause he, on this, at least Kevin Connors big board, he's ranked at 31. It's like, if the Spurs, I don't expect them to trade down, but if for some reason they actually get a late-round pick, do you think Theo could be a possible choice, at least if they get a late-round pick? Yeah, I'd love Theo. Um, I talked to one of my buddies, Rafael Barlow, who does NBA Draft Junkies. He's had a chance to watch him in person, and he actually got a chance to talk to Tony Parker about him, and Tony said not even uh, because he you know, plays for his team, but that he genuinely thinks that this guy is going to be a really solid pro. And I agree. You know, you look at the tape, he played for a team in the Euro league. He did pretty well there. He was starting for that team. And that's pretty rare, rare, rare for somebody who's that young. I think he's got the poise. He's got the experience. He's got the leadership. He just may not have all the physical tools. He may not be the best shooter. He may be a really good passer, but not the best passer. And I think that's perfect. If you're looking for like a backup point guard at, you know, if you got an, you know, 30, fourth or 33rd pick or something like that that would be a nice option plus you know he has those ties to tony so if tony wanted to come by and say hey let me show you the ropes then that's not bad either yeah and also he's probably one of the youngest players in this draft as well being at least at least list on the big board at 18.9 which is he's barely 19 he's gonna be barely 19 so you're gonna have you don't have time to really develop him and i think he could be he's gonna be a g-league prospect he might be a luca prospect i would say you know, actually, I think he would be able to play right away. I think Theo Maladon would be able to play right away as a backup. I don't think he's a starter. I don't think he will ever be an NBA starter, but I think he would fit real nicely as like a backup point guard right out, right out of the box. Of course, he still has some room to grow, but it's just to me like his lack of top-end speed. He doesn't have a great first step. He's not the best facilitator in this class, and there are quite a few good players who have nice vision in this class. I just don't really see it as a starter, but as a backup, I think he would be fine. I think he can carve out a long role as a, a long career as a backup. Um, but, but moving on on Yeka, another guy who's probably out of their range, but it's like, I was talking to Tom Petrini about this yesterday when I had him on my show, someone's going to fall. Someone always falls, right? Someone is always dropping down the board on draft night. Someone is bound to. And I think, it's going to be someone like Onyeko Okongwu or Isaac Okoro, who we've already talked about. I'm going to talk, uh, we actually haven't talked about Okoro. No, oh, I just meant Onyeko Okongwu. Uh, Isaac Okoro, we will explore. Yes. Cause, but, yeah, it's you've seen it before where Spur, Keldon Johnson dropped the 29. Ben uh, Boomstein of Project Spurs. I think, is he Project Spurs? Project Spurs, yes, yeah. Ben make sure, Boomstein. Make sure, Boomstein. Boomstein. Yeah. Oh, I always love that last name. Doesn't, he doesn't follow me. Ben, you better give me a follow back. Come on, man. He just followed me back this week, so that was cool. Oh, look at you. Look at you getting <laughs> Vince follow back. The most coveted of all follow backs. But um, he w- What was I saying? I forgot what I was fucking say. Was it about Okongwu? I think it was about Okongwu, but he's, he was saying that... No, he's saying, t- saying that... He was he was surprised that Keldon dropped to 29 because he was hoping that the Spurs could have got him at 19... He, he thought he thought the reverse of last year's draft where they could have got Keldon at 19 and then Luca at 29. And he was really extremely surprised that Keldon dropped so far. And just, just like every other place, DeJounte dropped. I wouldn't say Derek dropped, but we can say that too. But like you said, players drop in this. Players will always drop, and there's always a really good talent that's going to be later than people expect. Obi Toppin's kind of been that one lately on draft boards, at least. I would say that he's dropping. 
how Wiseman is dropping in some boards. I think you even said that in your own mock draft that you participated in that you got Wiseman at 11 somehow. Yeah, I got Wiseman at 11. I think a lot of people, like, or at least draft heads, are, are really low on him. But And I'm low, but not as low as they are. I've seen him as low as 17 on someone's big board. Really? And I can't agree with that. I can't get on board, especially just because he'll have – uh, you know, functionality as a rim runner, a rim protector, and he has insane athletic tools. I just don't see it. You know, maybe he's not the, it doesn't have the best basketball awareness yet or the best feel for the game, but he's 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, these guys are so young, they're going to have room to grow. And, and if you tell me right now, you're going to give me somebody with limited athletic tools, but really skilled, but the best they're ever going to be is a backup. And then the other option is a guy who's not quite there yet as a basketball player, but an insane athlete who could play a role in the NBA right away, I'm taking that other guy. I'm taking the second guy every time. So who's the second guy? It would be a James Wiseman. I'll make sure, make sure. Yeah, I, I, a, I, a James Wiseman over someone like, I don't know, well, I'll just throw out a name, like an, is Xavier Tillman. Like that, that to me is a guy who uh, would be able to play in the NBA right away. He's smart, but, you know, a little bit limited physically, and he may not ever have, uh, you know, high upside, which is why he's ranked lower on my board. All right, so back to the wings. Coro, he was kind of, he's kind of, I, he's kind of in a weird spot where he could go early in, in the draft, at least early within the top ten. But there's also some aspects where he can drop into eleven. But he's probably one of the best defenders in this draft. What do you think about Okoro? I really like Okoro. I think he's not a very good shooter yet. His his shot is definitely not where you want it to be. Chip England. And I know I was going to say the same thing. Every time I think of shot, like it's a cop-out a little bit, but Chip England really has done a good job with a lot of guys. And then you look at him, and I, I'm not sure, if for, for people who haven't watched him in depth, uh, you know, I watched hours of college tape on a lot of these guys. Okoro is someone who I truly believe has some potential as a facilitator. I really think, like, we, when you look at Kawhi when he first came in the league, not that I'm saying he is Kawhi or will be a Kawhi, but when Kawhi came in the league, nobody thought he was going to be a ball handler who was making plays out of the pick and roll. And I, I don't know how many people think Okoro is going to be that way, but I buy into him having potential there. He made some really good plays out of the pick and roll. And he's an aggressive driver. Now, he may be a little bit redundant with Keldon, in that aspect, but I don't care. If he's there at 11, I think you have to take him, and if I'm the Spurs, I, I definitely take him. Yeah, and it's the way that I see it is he's kind of has, he kind of has that Kawhi built in terms of player, and I think I even said this last time or on our podcast, where he has a really defensively skilled coming out of college. Yeah, his offensive game probably isn't there yet, but I think offensive games can be developed more, for, more further than a defensive game. I think defense is always going to be the hardest thing to develop. We've seen that with, with with Brent Forbes. Yeah, and I think also with Brent, it's like he's kind of at a disadvantage. Like, he's he's smaller. He doesn't have the, the the like, bolt. like he's added muscle, and, like, that certainly has helped him, but he's always going to be athletically challenged in comparison with a lot of these NBA guys. He doesn't have a great wingspan. You know, and, and with Okoro, you're looking at a guy with a plus wingspan. You're looking at a guy with, a, to me, elite athleticism, and he's got just such, to, I don't know how to describe it other than, like, a ridiculous motor. This guy's always going. And, and Spurs love those kind of guys. You see it in DeJounte. You see it in uh, uh, Keldon. Derek. And you see it in Keldon, even if Keldon kind of sneaks up on, or uh, Derek, sorry, even if Derek kind of sneaks up with, on you in that way. And even though Lonnie, I think, is a little more passive than other guys, I still think he competes incredibly hard. So if you add Isaac Okoro to that mix, I really like that. Now, he again, he could be someone who gets you know, taken really early. But he could also be someone who falls, much like I mentioned with Okongwu, the guys who could fall because somebody is going to fall. It's inevitable. Someone is going to fall. And this one, we haven't really heard any information on if these Spurs have talked or interviewed with him, but we are seeing reports that 
especially from Kevin O'Connor, that the Spurs love Sadiq Bay. What do you think about Sadiq Bay? Because he's kind of been, he's kind of, you're giving, you're kind of shaking your head. I, I, I've your head. been dreading this because, and I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this, especially in Spurs Nation. And yesterday I talked to Tom and Evan about this. And to P- me, he channel. is, yeah, f- check out my YouTube channel. It's literally just my name. So if you know my name, you can find it pretty easy. But we talked about it and Sadiq Bay. Really solid prospect. I, I like him a lot, and I, I had him ranked, if you can remember, all the way to the back of the start of the show. I have him ranked 18th, and the reason I have him ranked 18th is because he has, one, he has limited creation potential, doesn't have a very good first step, he's not a great athlete, and for me, he's not going to be someone who drives to the rim and is going to be finishing strong. He's got pretty good touch, but that's not really his game. He's also not someone who's a particularly good facilitator. Now, he's not a ball stopper. He's going to keep the ball moving. He's a smart player, really high IQ player. Comes from a great Villanova program that draws a lot of comparisons to the Spurs system. But it's three-point shot. That's probably his greatest weapon. He's a knockdown shooter. But what he isn't is a movement shooter. He's not someone who's going to be coming off screens. He's not someone who's going to be shooting off the dribble. He's not someone who's going to be running on the move and making three-point shots. And so, to me, there's only so much value in a standstill three-point shooter. And maybe that develops later on. Maybe they work with him on that. I don't think that's something that really works out that way. Most of the time, guys, if that's what they are, that's what they are coming into the league, at least as shooters. And on the defensive end, I think he gets massively overrated for being positionally versatile, like as a switchable defender. His feet are heavy. Now, he, he's got the IQ. He's got the wingspan. But he doesn't make really very many plays. He's very conservative as a defender. He's a smart team defender. He's a good team defender. But I don't think he's got a lot of switchability. To me, he's guarding small forwards, power forwards. He's not strong enough or tough enough to me to be guarding fives. And he's definitely not quick enough to be guarding one, two. So if he's only guarding threes and fours, I just don't know how much value you're going to have in him. And, and obviously... You know, he, he, he's somebody who, I, I will reiterate this, incredibly intelligent basketball player. I really like him, but to me, it's an uninspired pick. It's underwhelming at 11. Now, if you're the Warriors, and we've heard, you know, the Warriors want to make the trade with the Spurs. We'll bring that up one more time. Now, if the Warriors trade with the Spurs, and they, they've said how much they love him as well, at 11, I think it's perfect for the Warriors. You have the infrastructure of Draymond Green. You've got Steph Curry. You've got Klay Thompson to provide him with the ability to play within a role and only that role. And I think he will excel in that role. Now, if he gets drafted by a playoff team and can do that, he's somebody to me who can average, you know, 10-ish points per game, a few rebounds per game. And that's another area that he really struggles. He's not a great rebounder. Um, but he's an uninspiring pick. Someone, mm-hmm. if you take him at 11, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, at it's fine. At least in terms of the Spurs. For, yeah, for me. If you're the Spurs, you take him at 11, it's like, okay, well, that's a fine pick. But if he's really your guy... Then trade down. And I know that Spurs fans probably wouldn't be big fans of trading down because you got all the excitement of a lottery pick, and that's, you know, that makes sense. But if you want him and that's your guy, trade down because I guarantee he'll probably be there. And if he isn't, then somebody has decided that he's a piece that can be a a contributor to a playoff team or they've misidentified his talent. Going back to this Kevin O'Connor article, he he mentioned in the end, or not even the article, just a part of the mock draft, he did mention that two uh, that Spurs had mentioned targets of Jaden McDaniel and Tyrese Maxey. I honestly don't know anything about Jaden McDaniels. Please edu- educate me. All right, Jaden McDaniels is a guy whose brother is already in the NBA. He plays with the Charlotte Hornets, and his brother had a ton of off-court issues coming into <clears throat> into college and into the league, and that was kind of one of the worries with them. They're really lanky. They're good athletes. They've got you know good physical tools, and he's 
similar to his brother in that way, but he has a lot more scoring potential. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is somebody who has been compared to Kevin Durant, even been labeled Kevin Durant light. And he shows flashes of that every once in a while. But to me, he's still incredibly immature, which is fine. You know, you're 19 years old. You're going to be immature. It's going to happen. But to me, more so than a lot of the other guys in this class, a lot of times when I was watching him play at Washington, if he's not having a good game on offense or it's not flowing, the offense isn't flowing through him like he would like, he just checks himself out of the game defensively and he doesn't give a lot of effort. And then he, 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 even when he is an integral part of the offense, like a focal point, he's taking really questionable shots early into shot clocks uh, with guys wide open. He, uh, I mentioned it with Anthony Edwards, but this guy also tends to get tunnel vision and miss wide open teammates. So to me, he's someone who, you know, he does show flashes of that, like kind of Kevin Durant sort of build and ability to score the ball, but he hasn't showed the efficiency yet. And he's all promise at this point. So maybe a good pick for somebody who is, you know, late in the first round, because I don't think he'll drop out of the first round just based on talent alone. But at, at 11, I think it would be a mistake for the Spurs to take Jaden McDaniels, even as, you know, talented and you know, high ceiling as he could be. All right, let's go back to the guards because there's two guards that we haven't mentioned that have mentioned the Spurs, at least within and being interviewed or actually mentioning the Spurs in their press day. Let's start off with the higher one, in my opinion, in terms of at least draft boards, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, so Tyrese Halliburton is very similar to DeJounte Murray. And I actually read a comparison the other day that they said he's DeJounte Murray, um, not on steroids. I couldn't remember the exact word, but he's basically a, like a, a in their minds, a better version of DeJounte Murray. I don't necessarily agree with that, but there's a lot of similarities between them. They're both taller point guards, you know kind of combo guard, 6'5 ish got really long arms great defensive instincts um and he's also a really really elite team defender like to me he's maybe the second or third best team defender in this class at his position so defense is not going to be a worry for him he's a guy who has an undo- an unorthodox looking shot so you know he probably will only be someone who's catch and shooting and he he's a really really smart passer he's got great vision but m- my issue is he has he's so light he has a tough time turning the corner on, on defenders. And he's not really a particularly aggressive driver, someone who's going to finish at the rim. And he has a lot of the same problems DeJounte does, where he doesn't finish great at the rim because he's a little bit lighter. He doesn't have the most explosive um, you know, pop when he's attacking the rim. And he's somebody who's just so redundant to DeJounte that I, I just don't understand um, drafting him if you're the Spurs. Now, I think if, if you get like a DeJounte kind of player, and you're another team that could use someone like that. With to me, he has better court vision than Dejounte does. He's a better passer for sure. Um, then that's a good investment. But for the Spurs, I'm not really high on them picking him unless they plan on moving Dejounte, which to me isn't really that big of an upgrade. If you get you know Halliburton over Dejounte, I think they're well, I mean, not that they're identical, but they have similar value. Let's go to the Kentucky Wildcat, which did mention Kelvin Johnson is press date press day as we the day that we were recording this. Uh, Tyrese Maxey. And to me, the one thing that discourages me is that he's a 6'3 guard. Okay, so with Tyrese Maxey, I'm a little bit biased. I know he wasn't on my board here, but I do like him quite a bit. Um, So when I was an intern in college, I got a chance to cover him for South Garland uh, while he was at South Garland High School. And he shot up ESPN recruiting rankings, and rightfully so. He's a guy who can score the ball. He's a guy who can pass pretty well. He's a really tough, gritty defender. Now, if you're thinking of like a guy to compare him to in terms of stylistic 
similarities on defense, it's Keldon Johnson. He's a guy who's going to get under your skin. He's going to make you uncomfortable. He's a tough competitor on defense regardless of the situation. It's the other stuff that you're kind of worried about. Like, he doesn't have the greatest touch around the rim, but he does finish well. Like, when I talk about touch, I'm talking about, like, his floater game. When he's throwing floaters up, when he's contested, when he can't get directly to the rim. Not the best touch there, but he's someone who can finish through contact. He's really tough, but... I don't, I don't know if I buy into him as a shooter yet. I don't know if I buy into his ability to shoot off the dribble from the mid-range yet either. And there, there are a lot of question marks. But I will say this. This is something that I thought was kind of interesting. So I knew this might come up, so I made a list. So these are my Kentucky alum who've overachieved at their draft position. 2019, Tyler Hero at 13. I think it's safe to say he overachieved. Keldon Johnson at 29, overachieved. 2018, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 11. He's borderline star now. That's overachieving. Bam Adebayo, overachieved at 14. Jamal Murray, even though he was drafted at 7, I think he's better than a lot of people thought he would be. Devin Booker at 13 certainly has overachieved. Big time. Eric Bledsoe at 18. That's overachieving. Jody Meeks, 41st pick. He's a really solid role player for a long time. Overachieved. Rajon Rondo, 21. Was one of the best players on a Boston Celtics championship team and a major contributor to a championship team last year. Overachieved. Keith Bogans, 43 in 2003. Overachieved. Tayshawn Prince at 23 in 2002. We know he helped them win a championship. Overachieved. Jamal McGlure. Maybe not some people are not very familiar with him. Made an all-star team. Don't really think he deserved it, but he's still overachieved (laughs) at 19. So there's a lot of guys who tend to overachieve from Kentucky because Kentucky is such a blue blood program. They have so many top recruits that it's hard for each of them to shine. And so some of them don't get to display talents that they otherwise would have at a program where they get to be the focal point. So I think if there's a guy like that in this class, it's probably Tyrese Maxey but I'm not 100% sold on that. So that's the only reason he's not in the top 20 for me in terms of my prospects on my board. And I wouldn't think of too much, unless, again, if the Spurs got like a late draft pick, late first rounder, I think that's where they would go, but I don't see them... They, I don't definitely not see him using that number 11 on them at the least. But I, th- I think if, if he did end up coming to the Spurs with a late draft pick, like you said, like a late first rounder, um, I think Spurs fans would love him. He's a really, really nice kid. He's always got a smile on his face, kind of like Keldon Johnson, another Kentucky guy. And um, I just think he's a hardworking kid who comes from a good family, you know, like in terms of their character and their values. And, you know, I would love to see him in San Antonio, but like I wouldn't be heartbroken if they don't pick him because I think if, if they only have that 11th pick, he's just not worth it to me. And yeah. Are there any, are there any other players that you want to run through that I haven't mentioned? There's one last player I would love to talk about. So this last player, uh, he's kind of, and this is going to be the, the take that gets me canceled by Spurs nation. Oh no. Um, and I'm ready to get canceled. No, I'm, d- I'm absolutely let's, let's ready. Not, let's not get canceled on your second podcast, but I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm not advocating for the Spurs to draft him because I don't think he is the best decision. But should the Spurs draft Alexei Pokashevsky with their 11th pick, <laughs> don't overreact. Look, this, this guy is 7 feet tall. He's 205 pounds. He weighs as much as Bryn Forbes. Not good, right? From a Serbian team. And he plays for Olympiacos, their second-tier team, not their top team. But the flashes he has shown as a player are impossible to ignore. I've, I've talked to people who have watched him play live, who've watched him play at the under-18 tournaments at FIBA a few years ago. And he's someone who is the youngest prospect in this class. He's still 18 right now. If you're looking at a prospect, if you made a prospect in a lab and you said, well, what would be the perfect prospect in terms of tools? He's super long. He's not 
explosive or quick in the traditional sense, but he's a fluid athlete. He moves effortlessly across the floor. He can shoot a three ball and it resembles somebody like a Davis Bertans where it's a quick release, a really pretty looking motion. He has got elite court vision for somebody his size. Now I'm not saying he's seven foot by the way, Nikola Jokic level, but it's, it's, it's very solid. He's somebody who's going to make some really impressive passes that when you're watching, you go, Oh wow, that's, that was special. And then on top of all of that, he's somebody who on the defensive end has quick enough feet and is a fluid enough athlete that I truly believe he could guard one through five at his peak, at his very peak, you know, once he, once he's fully developed. And he's also someone who has such long arms. He's getting a ton of deflections. He's getting a ton of steals, a ton of blocks. Uh, and, and yes, it, it might take him, Two or three years, and this is the part that's going to upset fans, two or three years to get to where he needs to go. But I think if the Spurs can find a team for him to develop with, because I don't know that the G League would even be the best scenario for him, considering there might not even be a G League season next year. So if they ended up negotiating with the team after drafting him, saying, you know, could you move him elsewhere to get him in an ideal scenario to develop, I think he could be really special. My main concerns is one, physicality. Is he going to be able to handle the physicality of the league? Not right away because he's so skinny. So he's definitely not playing he's, right away. Again, he's seven foot two oh one. He looks he's 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 gone up to I read two oh eight, which is not like that's, significantly better. But, but, but his, like his body frame kind of reminds me of Bobo a little bit, just in terms of how yeah. lengthy he is. I think in that if you're looking from a, like a physical standpoint, that's a good comparison in terms of like the body and the fluidity. But my second concern with him is mental toughness. Now, I, I've talked to somebody who said they watched him play against people who were his own age, right? And he played some other top prospects over in Europe <clears throat> at the FIBA competition. And he kind of disappeared. When the going got tough, he got going. And that's not really what you want to see. So my main concerns would be, one, physicality. Two, mental toughness. Is he going to be able to, you know, stand up to the competition? Because in the NBA, nobody cares that you were drafted, you know, 10, 11, 12 Everybody's trying to make a living. Nobody's going to play you soft. And if you're really, really skinny, if he does not fill out that body a little bit, I have concerns like later on in terms of durability. So high risk, high reward. But Spurs fans, if they pick him, he could be really special. Nobody better, in my opinion, to develop in than the Spurs. But hey, you know, Spurs probably aren't going to pick him. But in the case that they do, you are now informed on what he brings to the table and the possible concerns that follow him. And I'm just going to say that's kind of a guarantee for a riot right there. Yeah. No, no. If, 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 oh my God, if Alexei Pokashevsky goes to the Spurs <laughs> 11 2, whatever pick, if it's anything no, other God, than a second two. round. If he goes 2, we're right. It's, it's, San Antonio is not going to be in a good position. It's gonna, San Antonio will be on fire. The ATT <laughs> Center will be broken into. There will be looting. There will be all sorts of terrible things if he goes that early. Um, but in the, in the, in the off chance that he falls to the second round, because you never know. Sometimes guys like this, they get a lot of hype, and then they end up sliding down draft boards, and he's there at 41, look which at, I don't think he will. That would be at, an excellent value. Look at Bull Bull. Yeah, look at, I mean, exactly. Look at Bull Bull. Now, he had some injury concerns that Alexei Pokashevsky doesn't, but you never know. But you, with, that, with that frame, you would you have to be concerned. I with, am a little bit, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like the, the KP situation where he's so big, at least in terms of height, and being as athletic or at least fluid in terms of his motion, that kind of 
is a recipe, a little bit of a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and let's let's hope he he stays healthy and in, in in the event that he goes to the Spurs that he thrives. But I, I really doubt San Antonio Spurs fans are going to get too familiar with this guy because just would really wouldn't make much sense with their current roster to, to go after him. At least if I'm thinking with my Spurs hat. Yeah, it's. I personally don't want him. I wanted Luca last season because I see potential in Luca, and Luca has a better frame at least for that that area of play. His frame is Politsky's frame is just a little too concerning in my opinion. Just with how if people thought Luca was skinny, they haven't seen this guy. <laughs> no. And honestly, I don't know if Skinny's even like doing his his thinness is justice. He, is he is he malnourished? He looks a little bit, but I I, I promise he's just a, a big skinny kid. I mean, really, he is a kid. He just he's really still 18. So, you know, if he comes to the Spurs, give him a chance. Likelihood is it's not going to happen. So you you can rest easy. You can sleep easy at night. All right, thank God. I'm I'm, I'm I was I was getting really concerned there, really concerned. You're gonna just drink that water there. I heard that. <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna make you we're gonna make fun of you for sipping your water once an episode at this point. I was trying to at first tried to move it, but I thought it made a sound, so I just decided not to. Well, the big thing that made it sound was you taking out the headphones. Oh, damn. <laughs> Didn't even think of that. So you can leave that in if you want to. Oh, it I'm would gonna be leave it fine in. Don't worry. I removed it as well. I'm but. the I am the person that loves mishaps and technical issues because people will laugh at them. No, oh, it's more authentic. It's fun. By people, I mean me. I will laugh at it because I will laugh at technical issues. If there's dead air on a radio station, I'm laughing, <laughs> even though that radio station is probably freaking the fuck out. Also, yes, everyone, I'm calming down the cuss words. I, I know I did it a lot last time. I'm trying to be good. I'll be a good boy. It's hard not to be excited, though. Like, I'm not someone who, who curses very much. So if you do hear me curse, it's because I'm really excited. So if, if you ever hear it, you'll you'll know. I think I might have cursed earlier, so I, I don't even remember. You, but. you said you did call that. That Laker Demar trade dog shit. I was very passionate about that. It is dog shit. I'm it, sorry, it's but it is truly dog shit. So that's kind of a gr- you did a great job with this. I now know more information, and my opinions really have not changed. <laughs> That's fine. Actually, um, let's talk about Killian Hayes real quick, just because I, I think we kind of skimmed over him. Sure. I think Killian Hayes is probably one of the one of the guard prospects I would be okay with drafting if the Spurs actually really want to. Tell me a little bit more about Killian Hayes for people that don't know. Yeah, so Killian Hayes plays for Ratio Farm Ulm, or he did. He's going to be drafted in the NBA soon. He's still young. He's 19 years old. He pretty much went into the perfect developmental system that you could have. Uh, Ohm basically said, here are the keys to the franchise, and you're going to get to run as many plays as you want and make as many mistakes as you want without consequence. And he actually thrived under that situation. He's somebody who can make pretty much every single pass in the book. If if, If you're thinking... Can he make a hammer pass? Yes. Can he make a bounce pass? Yes. Can he make a skip pass? Yes. Can he make an outlet pass? Yes. Any pass in the book. Can can he make any pass in the book? Any pass in the book, he's going to make that pass. He really is that talented. Now, where he's kind of lagging behind as as a scorer and as a shooter, he's still developing in that that area. But when you think of Killian Hayes, I want you to think a little bit of D'Angelo Russell in terms of the craftiness and left-handedness. And I know that's a little bit of a lazy comparison, but he's somebody who plays below the rim. He's somebody who is, like I said, 
very crafty. He understands how to work a court, get to his spots, but he's still developing. And then on the defensive end, he's pretty solid there. He's a good team defender. He'll come up with a few steals a game because he has some pretty good instincts. So he's somebody who I really value. I think he's got very high potential. He showed some advanced moves. And most of my my, my upside with him or my, me being high on him is because I think he has such a good upside. I think he has a chance to be the best player that comes out of this class when it's all said and done. Though it may not happen immediately, he's definitely going to have an adjustment period to the NBA because, look, as, as good as the, the French League was, he, it's just not the same level of competition. And teams probably aren't just going to be willing to hand him the ball and say, make a million mistakes a night. You know, even if, if he gets taken high, they're, they're gonna, most teams are going to hold their young guys accountable to some extent. So with, with Killian Hayes, you're, you're betting on upside more than anything. I'm not sure that he's going to be someone who's immediately contributing in a, in, a, in a positive way to an NBA team from day one. But like I said, to me, his, his long-term outlook is as high as anyone in this class. And his ability to be that primary option as a facilitator, as an initiator... I, I just think it's hard to pass up if you're there at, at 11 because even if you like Derek White, even if you really like DeJounte Murray, I think he's better in those areas and could potentially lead a team. All right, to wrap up this draft, we're not gonna, we didn't really dive into the second round pick, second round picks, but I am going to answer this question that JT underscore Reagan asked us on Twitter. Where, who do you, who do you all see for the second round pick? Assuming that we take a bigger wing slash forward with one of the picks, what other needs do you think the Spurs will need? to be looking for to fill in in the draft when it comes to the second round. And just, we won't like dive deep in this because it's the second round. It's the most volatile round of all drafts, but just who can I give me some name, some prospects and kind of the type of player that you think the Spurs would need in that second round. So I think if the Spurs take a wing or a guard in the first round, they definitely need to still address their, their front court depth. And even if you don't find somebody who can immediately do that in the second round, I think there are a few players who could potentially contribute from day one. Xavier Tillman, I'll give you a quick breakdown, uh, a, a junior out of Michigan state. He was the, uh, you know, the anchor of their defense. He's a really good rebounder. He's somebody who makes quite a few impressive passes. Like in terms of big man passers in this draft, I think he's one of the better ones. And, um, you know, maybe he lacks a little bit of upside, but you know, a lot of second pro round prospects do. Uh, two, Killian Hayes for me, or Killian Tilly. Sorry, too many Killians. Killian Tilly <laughs> um, played for Gonzaga. Uh, to me, he's a guy who easily is a lottery talent in this draft class, if not for the injury concerns. He's somebody who got injured quite a bit at Gonzaga, pretty seriously at Gonzaga, and there's concerns that he'll never be able to play a big role in terms of minutes for a team. Like, he's somebody who may always need to be on a minutes restriction, but he is a really fantastic passer. He's a really intelligent defender, somebody who the Spurs would welcome, especially if it's a second round or somebody not playing a huge role. And, and last but not least, I'll skip over a few of the other guys I like just for someone who I think is an interesting uh, prospect. Paul Reed. Um, guys, absolute beast on the defensive end in terms of getting steals, blocks, and deflections, but not the most heady defender. He's going to need some work there, but I think if anybody can really figure it out, it's the San Antonio Spurs. And on the other end, he's a little bit raw, but again, I like the, the defen defense first mold and then figure out the offense later, especially if it's a second-round guy. And if you swing and miss, oh well, it's a second-round pick. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Uh, just for one player that I've seen that I kind of like is uh, Omir Yurtseven of Gonzaga. What I forgot what exactly what where he's from. Where's your Where's Yurtseven from? 
You're not helping me here. Oh uh, yeah, sorry. I was I, I spaced out for a second. Oh, um, Georgetown. That's where he's from. Um, just kind of he's kind of been said as the Turkish Stephen Adams, and if it's a late second round pick, I think he'd be a good pick to go with. Kind of a good prospect to work with, especially in adding that big that big man depth. Yeah, he's somebody who's like really, really low on my big board just because I think the the comparisons to the Steven Adams are a little bit overblown, but he's somebody who might work out nice as an undrafted free agent. I think if the Spurs like him, then he's not probably going to come off the draft board. On draft night, he's probably still going to be there. So he's worth a flyer as an undrafted free agent. He's somebody who is, I mean, he's a big guy. He, I can see the resemblance in Steven Adams, but to me, he's slower, um, not necessarily uh, as, as tough. In terms of like, you know, when you think of Steven Adams, he's someone who's banging down there every night. He's making crazy, crazy hustle plays. He's on the floor. He's doing all that stuff. I don't know that you're going to get that out of Omar Yurtseven. I think that's how you say his last name. Yurtseven. Um, but he, to me, he's worth a, you know, maybe an undrafted free agent flyer. So with that, that's going to conclude our draft preview. I know it's a lot of information, but guess what? You need a lot of information for this draft because this is a lot of prospects. And I don't watch college basketball, basketball so I really need this. But um, so but are you are you confident going into this draft though? What of what the Spurs can do? I, I think there's just so many guys who are going to be good picks at eleven if the Spurs stay put that it's going to be nearly impossible to mess this pick up. So I'm confident in the Spurs doing something that at the very least is safe, and at the very best may end up being somebody who is really special down the line. Yeah, and honestly, I'm at the point where whoever the Spurs pick. I'm going to trust it. I'm, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing because in the past four years, they have not missed. Even if you want to say Luka is a miss, but you have to give him time, like we mentioned last week. I'm ready to fight people who say Luka's a miss. Too early. It's too early. Stop. Too early. We, we'll, we'll go back on that tangent in our time. But again, they hit, they hit on DeJounte. They hit on Derek. They've hit on Keldon. They've hit on so many of these guys that have, been, that have really good, that have been showing up for the Spurs team. I'm going to trust whoever they pick in this draft. Even if this is a underwhelming draft class, I think that they're going to probably get the best out of anyone in this draft in terms of developing their potential and making them a great player. I do too. I think San Antonio's developmental system is unrivaled. And even if I don't like the pick initially, I'm going to be rooting for that guy 100% because the Spurs have done it time and time again. Make, you know something out of nothing so I, I'm, I'm definitely just going to trust the Spurs here but let us know what you guys think about this uh, this draft and what the Spurs who maybe who your favorite prospect is you can follow us on Twitter at the lion pod you can follow me on Twitter at the tie Nick working at not Nick Noah sorry and you can uh, follow me at n underscore Magaro m-a-g-a-r-o and I'll throw in a few shameless plugs here you can also follow my it, YouTube channel it's my name so if you know my name, it's like I Nick. said earlier, it's not Nick. It's, it's not Noah. Nick. It's Noah. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Noah Magaro George. Find it there. I'm doing Spurs content there all the time. Having a ton of guests. I had Keith Smith. Keith Smith on recently. I had Matt Babcock on. I had Tom Petrini and Evan Klosky from News Five. You've probably seen them on TV. So uh, it's it's a it's a blast. And then lastly, you know, check out my writing at Pounding the Rock. I know that Ty and I are pseudo rivals, but uh, I think it's good content, and if you want to follow Ty's content too, it's really good. I, I can I can give him my stamp of approval. It's really good content, so definitely check out everything that Ty's doing as well. Make sure to check out News 4's Spurs Zone, the direct competitor to Pounding in the Rock, <laughs> if you want to see my content. But, uh, but again, everyone has some great content going out there, so make sure to check it out, support it. Uh, make sure do follow us. We are keeping we are really keeping close eyes. I'll make sure to get information out as soon as possible, as soon as I find it out. 
If I read any article, I'm reading articles. I can't wait for people to release podcasts so I can at least listen to them. Try to get all the information I possibly can. So make sure to just follow us because we're going to give you the information we can. We might even be doing some on draft night. We will figure this out. But keep an eye out on our Twitter at the line pod. And again, tell us who your favorite prospect is and who you guys prefer what in this draft. But for Ty Yeager, for Nick Mark. Noah. Uh, Nick, Noah, Noah, sorry. I know it's. The problem is I know too many Nicks in my life, so it's I just say Nick. It's just- to, to be fair, this and and not to drag this out, but like this is only the second time Ty and I have ever met in person. So the fact that we're calling each other by our actual names correctly, like ninety percent of the times, to me is a miracle because I'm also I'm terrible hitting, with. Names. I'm not even hitting ninety percent. I'm hitting like fifty percent at this rate. Okay, fifty percent, but, but it's still better than zero. I'm preferably a hundred, but I, we'll work we'll, with it. We'll, we'll get it there. But I'm Ty. That's been Noah, and you've been listening to At The Line. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, guys. Have you ever listened to At The Line and then suddenly think, huh, I kind of want to make my own podcast? Well, guess what? I have something that's going to be the best tool for you in starting off your podcast. It's called Anchor, and this is what we use here at At The Line. Fun. It's absolutely free to use. And guess what? I know some are hosting websites. They cost money to have you start your podcast, host it, and all that. Anchor doesn't do that. It's absolutely free. And there's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you don't have all the equipment that you want. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you don't have to go to all these other websites and figure out, how do what what do I put? How do I get this? It's so confusing. Anchor, although, makes it easy for you, and they will put your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many a more podcasting websites. And guess what? The best part of it, you can make money from your podcast, but no minimum listenership. That means you can do your podcast for free while making money. Who doesn't love that? And it's everything that you need to make your podcast in one place so make sure to download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your free podcast